What's up, everyone? This is Must Go Faster, a pop culture podcast for the people. I'm your co-host, Ben Brandlinger, broadcasting from Brooklyn. And out in Long Beach, California, wearing a red jumpsuit surrounded by white rabbits, I'm Robert Denfeld. So in this episode, we are going to do a reaction review to Jordan Peele's new film, Us. Us. And given that this is us talking about us <laughs> given that this was not only one of our most anticipated movies of the year which we yeah. uh, hit on in our latest episode or episode prior to this uh-huh. it's also kind of like one of our most anticipated like cultural moments of the year so it's a moment people are like talking it about necessary. it yeah <laughs> the streets are a buzz um or at least you know the the bubbles of brooklyn and <laughs> right. you know, greater southern california that we live in uh so um we got hyped for it on our last episode. We've seen it, and we're going to do a full review of the movie end-to-end, just us talk. Yeah. Spoilers, beware. Spoiler heavy, yeah. Like, you're about to, if you have not seen Us yet, like, you're about to step into, like, yeah. a minefield just, of spoilers. Like, well, well just honestly, right. turn it off. Uh, I mean... Yeah, go see uh, Us and, and come back to this, though. We, we don't want to encourage yeah. people to turn off our podcast, but just come back to this after you've seen the movie. Uh, this will ruin some things for you and just come back after you've watched it <laughs> some things will be ruined yes yeah <laughs> uh we're gonna talk about everything from the performances to jordan peele's direction the yeah. best moments the influences symbolism theories twists turns etc oh boy let's Sounds just exhausting. let's just yeah actually yeah i gotta reapply deodorant after <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. let's dive into this so i saw it we both saw this opening weekend. I saw it at 11, yeah. 10 p.m. showing at the Alamo Ooh. Draft House. Or 11, 11, Brooklyn. perhaps? Oh, man. Yeah. Maybe they started <laughs> that, the, that would have been an amazing the marketing film at 11, 11. To do, like, sell showings at that. Oh, <laughs> That'd be that. funny. Yeah. So, late night showing. Had some uh, Negroni cocktails. Nice. Uh, which I've, I, I've done just my cocktail of choice before <laughs> yeah. I guess seeing a movie. They were flowing at the inside bar. Shout out to the House of Wax bar at Alamo, Brooklyn. You guys always kill it. Nice. Let's just start, I guess, walking out of the theater, Rob. Like, what yeah. were your gut reactions about what you what you just saw? There was a buzz in the theater. It was a pretty packed house. Mm. I went early. I drove over to the theater earlier in the day and and bought tickets. So we had good seats or decent seats. Mm. And uh, I mean, the place was full. There was energy in the crowd, a lot of buzz, you know, kind of like, I mean, I'm sure this is what Jordan Peele had in mind. And of course, coming off Get Out, you know, the the crowd is with him, you know, and and sort of like hanging on the edge of their seat and anticipation is mounting. And, you know, like everybody just expects it to be a a thrill ride and just fun. And so like, that's a huge advantage for a filmmaker. They just go in knowing that they're going to sort of have the audience on by on the their, their by hand. the yeah exactly you know the buzz leaving the theater was was palpable um my personal reactions were just like uh you know i have some questions <laughs> first first thought, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, i have some questions there was a lot going on there were a lot of messages um maybe <laughs> m- maybe a bit muddled at times but like 
there was a lot to take in, a lot of references, um, symbolism, as you said. Uh, you know, I wanted to look up what Jeremiah eleven eleven was. Um, <laughs> right. I wanted first time to... yeah, I want was fascinated by uh, that kind of Bible verse. Uh, yeah, I was like, I I feel like I need to go watch the movie Chud now because I've never seen <laughs> right. that, but it obviously Getting means Chud something. On <laughs> yeah, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I was excited about the movie. I thought it was really fun and you know a thrill ride. Great performances. Um, a lot yeah. to talk about so i was just happy i guess so yeah it, it was a very positive yeah leaving yeah I, what about it you? was my like yeah gut react it, it definitely you know especially with the way the movie unfolds in that final act particularly like the last five minutes with the huge reveal which we'll get to right it's a movie like i just wanted to see again like immediately like i'm yeah. definitely gonna see this again in theaters especially with that ending that kind of just recalibrates everything you saw before it, like the two yeah. hours before that It's happens. a brilliant, it, brilliant strategy as a filmmaker. Like let's make a movie that you have to see twice or you really want to see yeah, two money, times or three times in the marketing. theater. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, as you said, presents a ton of questions. You know, there's just really so much to, to chew on while I was watching kind of going into this movie, knowing that it was packed with all these kind of, um, visual clues and, and you know symbolism like I was trying to pick them up as I was watching like mm-hmm. oh the color red like what does that mean the bunnies the cemetery like mm. I, but I was also like you know very immersed in in the story throughout mm-hmm. you know there's a very telling peel quote that he said um, I forget where he said it but like I'm much more interested in converse in conversation happening around mm. this movie than having it be like everyone's favorite movie. Right. Which I think is, is a very on the nose, like type of reaction you're going to see from this film. You know, obviously yeah. like we just saw it opening weekend. There's a lot of people that haven't seen it, but I think there'll be a lot of like word of mouth and people are going to mm-hmm. want to check it out. And it's definitely like, it's going to have like polarized reactions and For I think sure. we're going to get into why. Yeah. I think, and I think a lot of people are going to dislike it, you know? Yeah. Oh, right. For sure. I mean, I think, it subverts expectations in a lot of ways. Like yeah. the biggest one is like I went in and I'm sure you did as well. Like thinking that these like evil us figures were only really part of the Winston family story. Like right. I had no idea that this was going to be some broader scheme happening right. all throughout the U S until about midway through, which yeah. we'll get into it. A section of that scene. I thought the marketing did a really good job of uh-huh. avoiding that um, and made that reveal really powerful and eerie and almost yeah. like, I, you know, I'm a big stand for the movie signs. So like, mm-hmm. I, I thought that it was the way that it was being reported, like through like news footage and, and things like that through the lens of like this, this nuclear family right. kind of reminded me of, of that. Um, well, and you started to the get the, st- I, I started to think about it. Sorry to cut you off, but no, no, no. as, as the family emerges, you know, in the red jumpsuits and standing in the driveway, I was like, wait a second. Why, you know, that, that was the first time I really thought about hold on, why is there a whole family? Like, why isn't it just, um, you know, Adelaide Wilson's character or character that has this, you know, doppelganger or whatever. And then I was right. like, wait a second, this is, is this something grander or bigger? And then obviously you thought like, that scene watching the movie or when you saw the trailer, at well, first, I guess saying, like you had that thought. Yeah. I mean, I guess both. Well, no, I, I had it in the theater. Like I never thought about it yeah. in, in the trailer. Cause I, I didn't know at that point that, you know, Adelaide, runs into yeah, her doppelganger as a, right, as a right. child and yeah um so then i just it kind of clicked in my head i was like wait a second is this is this something bigger and then obviously like when we go into um elizabeth moss's house and and her husband mm. i can't remember mm. the guy's name yeah he was he was awesome tim, Heide- I, yeah, tim I heidecker points about the performance yeah yeah, yeah 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 so then then you obviously realize like oh okay this is uh this is bigger than just one family <laughs> 
So I think the story also had a really interesting structure, like compared to Get Out, which I, I rewatched in anticipation oh, nice. onto this role. Um, actually, the, the I got to say the TSA agent, Rod Williams, actually retweeted what I said about him. So that was oh, really, really? Cool. That's Rod, really cool. Yeah. There's no chance I'm sure you're listening, but hey, you liked my tweet and I appreciate it. You were awesome and get out. Nice. So the, the first 30 minutes like really builds like slow tension. Mm-hmm. And then like once... I thought of it as like a faucet. Like once you turn like the faucet on is basically when that home invasion starts at around like, you know, I want to say a 35, 40 minute mark. Like it uh-huh. literally, it never goes off. It, it, it never lets up. And I think there's like a really strong and entertaining second act mm. um, with that home invasion. And then, you know, the Winston family escaping and then going to the Tyler's uh, house there, which I think is like the movie at its peak. That sequence is just like incredible. Yeah. And then, you know, it goes into like this deep into the rabbit hole, pun intended, third act that almost (laughs) feels, it can feel like, you know, in a sense rushed that they, they pack this, like the major plot dump in the last 20 minutes. Sure. Especially those last five minutes Mm -hmm. almost felt like it could have benefited from being, I don't know, 15 minutes, a little bit longer to let those details air out a bit. But I think Mm -hmm. what he, what Peel wanted is to kind of like, this effect of like just hitting you in the gut right. and like ending it before you can even like get a hold of yourself. Yeah. And, like, I felt like there the was settles. a, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of like info dumping or like big revelation happening. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're past that. We're moving on. And it's, and it gets yeah, back to the collector thoughts. And yeah. Like when you realize that, Oh, it's, it's bigger. You know, you see the, the other family with their doppelgangers. You're like, Oh wait, is this the entire you know, city of Santa Cruz or California or the entire country. And then, the, you know, Winston Duke turns on the TV like quickly right. after that. And we realize, but then it's just, okay, move on, you know, and, and it gets back to the, yeah. the, the concept of you have to, you walk out of the theater thinking, oh man, I need to watch that again because it just kind of ends after you get this big revelation. You're like, oh shit, I need to, <laughs> I need to watch that knowing that Lupita Nyong'o's character is not who she seems so yeah it's sure. a it's a great marketing method i get I, I don't know maybe that's too like manipulative Cynical thinking writer. yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's that i don't i'm not sh- i'm sure jordan no, Peele didn't right. write a movie thinking i want to make people see this three times but it's just it's a cool like uh construction of uh of a story that you you get the revelation and then it's over you know yeah for sure and i i want to say as I think I kind of um, stated in the pod before that we were getting hyped is, you know, I, I do think that this was not as scary as maybe I anticipated. I would say it was more mm. of a psychological thriller. It definitely yeah. had, of course, frightening moments and moments of horror. But I think you could definitely make the argument that Get Out is more of a horror movie, even though that is also like probably more of a thriller. Mm-hmm. I saw that Peel, he tweeted that like just explicitly like us is a horror movie. Um, mm. I think it was kind of, I saw someone say, I forget who on like, the internet say, and it was a shot of being like, Get Out was actually nominated for the Golden Globes like in the musical or comedy category. And I mm-hmm. think maybe he was like, alluding back to that being like hey if this does get nominated for golden globe like it better be in the drama category like this yeah. is not this is not a comedy i mean of course there's comedic elements like they were in get out but oh yeah I, yeah well, i do want to say like winston duke's character was pretty pretty much the comic relief throughout oh yeah he was awesome uh, yeah let's get into the you want to get into like some of the performances um yeah i think i mean lapido nuango first ever leading role somehow it's just yeah. like a scintillating dual performance as both oh, yeah. adelaide and red she's just captivating uh, what do, what do you on think? screen yeah, uh, yeah she her she's... performance really stands out to me um i mean doing two characters obviously and then you 
I want to watch it again because to see, you know, how she was making these subtle choices with with the Adelaide slash Red character, you know, both of them, I guess, and and how the revelation at the end kind of drives or, you know, um, gives her the the things to go for as an actor, you know? Um, I mean, the whole, like, ballet concept was really interesting. And, and the way that the, I guess the, we'll call her, like, We'll just say the red character is is the mm-hmm. you know person wearing the red jumpsuit, and sure, that's yeah. that's that character's name. Um, yeah. But the way that she moved around the house oh. in the beginning, <sighs> like, the, I'm getting chills, ba- about it. Uh, movements and and just sort of like robotic in a way was really fascinating and creepy. I don't know, just her her face just forces you to lock in on her, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. like as a it's as not a viewer. A yeah, she like, has or such you're just like, like oh, that's someone else on screen. Like it, it, it yeah. draws you in, and you can't. I mean, away. she's she's a beautiful person. Like she's just very attractive, and then like she has these big eyes, so you just you can't like look away from her. And then obviously her performance and uh, you know her like motherly qualities. But you're trying to from the very beginning, she has this uh, this sort of weird vibe going on i mean yeah, you think you we as the audience PTSD we think it's just yeah of, we right. think it's just that she's back in santa cruz where this thing happened to her as a kid and you know she's she's having all these emotions stirred up in her but you know now looking back on it it's like wait maybe that's just who she always has been and you know the tethered people or whatever they are have no souls and so to think about that that mom or and wife, you know, without a soul. Yeah, that's gonna perform in her your, entire life. That's weird. Your personality. <laughs> yeah, I, I, a couple of things about her performance too. Like, yeah, you, the, the mannerisms that you mentioned too. Like, just the way she like slinked around without like in silence and like yeah. without moving her arms, just like super creepy. Also, like I think we got to shout out her her voice, the red character's voice, yeah. which I. I saw was inspired by like Robert F. Kennedy in a way. And mm. I have to say like the voice at times was almost like distraction, a distraction, which kind of became an issue when the character is like revealing these key plot points that like you're so mm. struck by the way that she actually sounds that you kind of like forget to hear what she's actually saying. Right. But it was still like, I mean, I was fascinated by the voice. I, you know, the trick I heard like to imitate it is like, you speak when you inhale, so like, hello, Robert, kind of thing. Oh, uh, solid, man. <laughs> that, that was the first good. time yeah. I just tried to do it. That was good. <laughs> it's the trick. You just you just uh, inhale as you speak. Yeah. Um, and Simple as that. Anyway, <laughs> it, it makes sense. Yeah, right. It, it makes sense, too, when you learn of the twist that mm-hmm. Red is the only one of the tethered people that speaks, you know, when you consider that she spent the few first couple years of her life, like, above ground and, and right. being, like, a normal human. yeah. The Elizabeth Moss Everyone else just kind of makes noises, like guttural grunts yeah, and stuff. Yeah, primal. Right, yeah. yeah. The Elizabeth Moss performance, I, I think besides Lupita Nyong'o, like, that stood out the most to me. Like, mm-hmm. I'd never seen her in this type of role before. It was just mm. unexpected. Her doppelganger, like, is terrifying in the oh, scene. Yeah. Like, just, like, the scene where she's, like, putting on lipstick and mm-hmm. just they did, like, an amazing, like, makeup job. She almost, it, they look like, it's not like zombies, but, like, you know, it's not, not that extreme, but I don't know. I, I just thought that she looked like half dead. I don't know. I, I just love I love that performance of her. Mm. And then the uh, the Tim Heidecker who yeah. plays her like husband, just the way his the tethered version of him like behaves. Where like mm-hmm. in real life he's he's like um, 
you know, this kind of just obnoxious, like slightly like douchey, like yeah. dad. Right. And I just thought it was like really smart and funny how they played the doppelhanger where he's like, he's like kind of like dabbing in one scene and like yeah. acting arrogant and yeah. obnoxious, but in the form of this like primal animal doppelganger <laughs> thing. So I was just funny. like, this is, this is a, a smart choice. Yeah. Um, and I mean, just the cat, the, the rest of the family too, of uh, the Winstons. I yeah. Think. I was going to say, kids um, and- Jihadi, Wright Joseph and Evan Alex play the kids. Um, they play Zora and Jason slash um- Umbre and Pluto. Um, yeah. Their performances were really critical to the success of the movie. I think like they, they had a lot to do. It wasn't just like, you know, the kids are also in the movie. It was like, these are, these are serious performances and, and had a lot of screen time. And, you know, obviously both playing two characters as well, you know, pretty difficult to pull off. And I thought they both did an amazing job. And I don't think the movie would have been as good if you hadn't been invested in those, you know, performances. Yeah, Cause they and each characters. have their own, each have their own story. Yeah. With, and they kind of, they go on their own paths, like, literally you know with, yeah. the, with the daughter like she has to run and, and that was like a really like creepy sequence mm. of the way that was shot and you knowing that she she was being chased but like had a lead start but like it was inevitable <laughs> right you know the evil version of her was yeah. gonna pop up and winston duke getting back to him real quick i did you find that he it kind of sounded like jordan peele in it, it like mm. his voice uh, yeah. in a way um i don't know it, it's just a little like he kind of has like a nerdy. Jordan Peele kind of has like a nerdy, high pitched voice. Yeah, like a little like, nasally and. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just was like, oh, it kind of sounds like Jordan Peele. It's funny. Um, it was voiced by Jordan Peele. Um, yeah, and that one scene where he's uh, he's like in bed trying to hit on on his wife, and he's oh like, yeah yeah he like Probably spreads out his legs, <laughs> and gets right. all comfortable. Yeah. That was one of the funnier moments in the theater, and yeah. got a big laugh. We've all been there. Fellas. He's like, "Where are you going?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just right, that was right, a good right. moment. And that was right before, you know, yeah. stuff really starts to Imminent go down. Doom. And I think that is a nice train. Like, I wanted to ask you, like, what what you thought was, like, the best scene or your mm. favorite scene. I, I kind of mentioned it. For me, it was this sequence at the, the Tyler's house. Uh-huh. Just, like, end-to-end, just amazing cinema. It was, it was terrifying. It was unexpected. It was funny, suspenseful. It was fun, like... That was the scene, like where everyone in my theater felt like, "Oh, it's oh, it's like this," right? And you just re- you, it's when you realize that something is bigger, much, much bigger than the the people haunting, the, yeah, the, the Winston family. It just the movie kicks into a different gear, I think, and it gave me yeah. like that pit in my stomach. Uh-huh. Feel well, had, that I felt at times during Get Out, like during the "Give Me the Keys" rose scene, and, get out, like, right, but, right. and that's what I was like really looking for. Yeah, seeing a Jordan Peele movie again. Well, and it had like those classic tropes of a home invasion story, like horror mm-hmm. concept, and uh, I mean this whole movie played with like classic horror tropes in various degrees. But that one, you know, it's like little chunks of different horror films throughout the movie, and that one was yeah. like the the home invasion part and the, the introduction of the doppelgangers and the the monologue by, you know, the character kind of, you know, Lupita Nyong'o's uh, or Red slash Adelaide, uh, you know, drops this monologue and kind of like explains the theme of the movie. Um, and then right, which is like unorthodox. Yeah, it is. And like, a little risky yeah. and like, uh, you know, maybe you could say a little like heavy handed, but I-, I thought it worked. And, you know, the one line at the end where, you know, she she explains what's going on and like how she had these kids and the, you know, the tethered people living in the tunnels underneath everybody. And, and then she goes, we are Americans. And that, that moment, it was, it was like, okay. That was like a, a big, 
sort of jaw dropping line of of dialogue and i i was thinking yeah you know wow that's a that's a bold choice and maybe i don't like it but then maybe i do you know like you kind of get that mm. but so it's like do you need to tell the audience that or should we just gather that you know it, it's a choice yeah. um that jordan that Peele tipped made. off that like these are i mean not only like just like the politically charged nature of saying something like that but also right. like grounded in like these aren't these are i think it 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 showed that these are actual figure like these aren't ghosts or something supernatural right. per se like these are like tactile people i mean you yeah. know we learned that they're like clones essentially well there's yeah a, that was like very striking to to hear it laid out that way in yeah. the line yeah we're americans that was definitely like a oh okay. <laughs> oh my god okay yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh yeah. there that is yeah and uh i mean there's a lot of messages going on in this movie as i said and concepts you know like just a lot of a lot of things a lot of uh meanings that this could be interpreted as and you know it's it's one of those movies that like you kind of take it for what you want to uh make of yeah, it and tons of there's no like exact answer maybe of what it's about it's about a lot of stuff and um well okay so we'll get there later but um <laughs> let me get back to my favorite scene because i don't want i don't want yeah. us to move past this and forget but um i really liked the opening sequence of the the 1986 timeline you know where mm. young adelaide is at the 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 pier carnival with her parents and you know her dad was a her. santa monica pier no it's it's santa it's santa, santa cruz, cruz. Santa cruz yeah. Pier. right yeah, yeah. yeah sure. but then that that entire sequence where she gets lost um such a such a like a scary thing you know um th- that i found that entire sequence to be really like tension filled and the way it was shot uh mike Giolakis, the cinematographer i wanted to shout him out for especially this sequence i mean great imagery throughout the entire movie great lighting you know choices and things i thought it was really well shot and beautiful but this sequence especially the way the camera was just constantly following uh adelaide young adelaide and and just yeah. always moving around the characters and it's like those really subtle creep uh like dolly shots in and out just give you that sense of like urgency and terror and fear um and the way that the the hall of mirrors you know is like enter here to find yourself or whatever that's i mean just like seeing those words yeah. is is kind of scary and uh, the way that that hall of mirrors was lit and things were the owl popped out and the yeah. the sound design that ride in the background like, yeah was, the people in like the chairs swirling around like right. I was struck by like just that kind of in the background and hearing the like the thrilling like screams uh-huh. of that like as she's getting further away and it was like just circling behind her and, yeah yeah I mean it was a really just like well executed sequence for yeah sure. it kind of felt separate from the rest of the movie and it was like this own its own feeling in this little sequence. It could have been like a short film that stood alone. Um, and then yeah. from there, I believe it's after that sequence. I could be wrong about that. But when the, the very slow uh, dolly out of the, the rabbit's eye, the white rabbit, and we, we start tight on it and then it, yeah, it, the credits happen. It, yeah. That's after that sequence in the, the Santa Cruz, I, I right? So. Yeah. 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 And it, like that really creepy music. I just loved that shot. And I was thinking how many times did they have to try that? Because the way the rabbit like moves its head perfectly with the, the, the timing of the, the zoom out. And yeah. I was like, wow, that's just a, that's a great be- method acting by that. That was the Daniel <laughs> yeah, of, that's, of Rabbit Act. No, that's just like a beautiful shot, and I'm yeah. sure they spent hours on it. Maybe they got lucky. Who knows? 
I think the sequence that I yeah I was talking about before, I just a few other things I loved about it, like the decision to shoot the family's execution from outside the house looking in. Yeah. Like that voyeuris- that voyeuristic perspective just gives it a whole other level of like chill uh creepiness in mm-hmm. a way or like giving you like those those kind of fear chills and you know, part of the sequence being set to Beach Boys good vibrations. Oh, like yeah. that's just I think brilliant juxtaposition and then later with NWA, like using a song in a totally unexpected way, the lyrics F the police coming straight from the underground. Oh, like, yeah. Obviously, that was intentional. Yeah. The use of the virtual assistant and like this bougie Airbnb. It's like yeah. little touches that place the movie <laughs> so much in like the moment we're living in, 2019. Yeah. And she goes, Ophelia. The sequence, it just, call the police. Uh, right. Ophelia. <laughs> yeah. Ophelia. Right. Great, yeah, yeah. Great yeah. Alexa reference there. It just hums. Um, a few, I guess, before like, and yeah, I know we need to like get into like the twists and stuff. Like some of my favorite shots, um, you know, this one from the trailer, the, the Red's tall silhouette with the scissors in hand, yeah, approaching the house at night on on the deck. One of my favorite shots. Uh, by the way, shout out to the hot poker as a oh yeah an effective tool if you want to fight some evil uh, doppelgangers. I, I just loved like with the scissors, like using these mundane tools and the like golf club ways yeah that, yeah that had golf, some you can do deeper meaning club. yeah um the 360 shot of like the home invasion of the winston family mm-hmm. when things are really going down it just like it, i think it just goes like one time around but it captures like several facets of the action and there's so much like mirror imagery and like these angles of lupita nuango's like face like the close-ups and weird angles like yeah Adelaide is being pressed up against like the glass coffee table and it's like breaking and a reflection and you're going to see a lot of us Halloween costumes this year, by the way. Oh yeah, for sure. I I don't know. You know, I I think the cinematography he shot, um, it follows, Mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite horror movies of the decade. And yeah, he's, he's awesome. And this was full of well, well done. Definitely. Yeah. The amount of concept art that comes out of these Jordan Peele movies, like get out was really famous for that. And this one is, is already uh, apparently at the South by Southwest uh, premiere. He had a a whole like concept art room, like gallery Mm. showing and, and the movie hadn't even come out yet. So that just shows you like how invested the audience is for these movies and, and his work. Um, and I, yeah. I, he does a really good job of like creating this imagery and, you know, the scissors we talked about last yeah. episode as just like this household item used as a, as a, you know, trope and, um, becomes like bigger than that and becomes a thing that people use as a, a prop and it's going to be referenced in films, you know, coming later. And it's cool. Mm-hmm. He's, he's creating his own sort of, uh, iconography which he you know obviously cares a lot about because we see all these references he chooses to to make in his films but um do you want to get into a little bit of those like uh all the you know obviously um there's a lot of things touched on a lot of uh movies as we mentioned like jaws uh you know the kid Mm -hmm. is wearing jaws shirt uh, throughout the movie this the the concept the of the sequences yeah the, yeah it almost like reminded you of that or it definitely reminded you of that jaws beach sequence the imminent doom of the you know creature lurking beneath the surface uh, that's yeah. like a jaws concept from the beginning uh, obviously well, the shining with the twin the twin daughters and yeah the twin doppelhanger the, yeah the helicopter like, shot yeah. that uh they show at the end felt like a reference to the shining to me like that yeah, opening, the opening credits yeah right well and i some think other that ones. um 
Well, yeah, the Jaws thing. I wanted to specifically point out the scene on the beach where Adelaide Adelaide is is frantically looking for her son Jason. Like that was taken right out of the scene in Jaws where Chief Brody witnesses the death yeah. of the Kitna boy from afar. The way it builds tensions with like people talking him and trying to mm-hmm. distract him, and he's like really uneasy. Yeah, a lot of noise I mean, it was, happening around. Yeah, yeah, right, right, and like chaos, and then it comes into focus, and then she's like, "Where is my son?" You know, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw Peel gave the cast like these 10 horror films to watch so they could get a sense of like the shared language that he was trying to mm. convey. And those those included, I won't list all, but like The Shining and It Follows and The Birds, which I think mm. uh, came into into focus, like especially towards the end when they're yeah. approaching the boardwalk and like just the, the death, you know, around them. And um, what else? Uh, funny Games, The Sixth Sense. Mm. Uh, I saw that Peel. He was very inspired by Alien. He said it was like yeah. the recommended like double feature. One, yeah. That's one of my all time favorite horror movies, and like use that to create this visual universe. Yeah. I also got like you know these heavy like cult vibes like Wicker Man and stuff with mm. just the the nature of the tethered and how they were all dressed the same and yeah you, you know definitely gave me a that cult cult feeling yeah. So, well, and then obviously I mean, yeah, he wears his influences on his sleeves. Like right. he's a big you know. Uh, student of film history and well, you know loves his directors like we do and stuff yeah and a big concept of this film like the opening uh moments are this this uh you know a few lines of text about the the underground tunnels throughout america and many are you know not used or uh you know completely abandoned and people don't know that they're there and that that you know obviously becomes a big big concept in this film where the the tethered people live um, and I mean, there's a lot of questions about the, the reality of the, the tethered and like, why do they the log- mimic logistics? Yeah. The logistics. And it's like, you kind of just want to suspend your disbelief and, and not get too deep into like, well, what happens if, uh, you know, that they person, yeah, Europe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've read that online, like these fan theories, like, poking holes in it but it's like you kind of just don't want to think about it that way but obviously that I, yeah one, that wasn't something that i thought of that one shot when um when uh young um adelaide is watching tv in the very beginning in the 1986 timeline and mm-hmm. we see these vhs's um there's chud which is which a horror movie from 1984 i think and it stands for cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers so that's mm. what the chud stands for. So if we you almost have, named this podcast, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a bit like choice. it's a direct you know reference to w- of what's to come. And I have never seen that movie, but I looked it up afterward. And then you know we see the Goonies, the right stuff, the man with two brains, the uh, VHSs, and you know obviously uh, those it's are all intentional. Yeah, those are intentional references yeah. and things that are touched on in the movie. And um, you know, the hands across America commercial plays during that moment, um, which obviously means a lot toward the end of the movie. Um, and other little things like I felt an ET reference maybe with the, the boys playing yeah, in the closet. Yeah. Spielberg's a huge, uh, yep. influence. Um, the dynamics of the family. And yeah. Being on this adventure together, even though right. like, demented adventure, like, yeah, yeah, Spielberg was a huge influence, and not not only just yeah. And jo- I also got like Draws. some Jurassic Park, yeah, Jurassic vibes Park. a little bit. No, like I was gonna say attacking when... the top of the car. Exactly and... the top of the car thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and I think uh, I think uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character gets out, and Winston Duke's like, oh, uh, there she goes. Uh, she got out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's directly from Jurassic oh, Park. There's Goldblum. There was actually a really funny moment. Yeah, there was a funny moment in my theater during that 
sequence. Um, you know, someone like opens the uh, the sunroof slider, and you know, you, you expect something to like pop up. There'd be a jump scare or something, but it's just like this empty window. But when the when the character slid the slid this uh, thing back. This woman in our theater just screamed in anticipation of the jump scare, but there was nothing, and like the whole theater laughed. And I was like, "Oh man, I bet if Jordan Peele like witnessed that, that's just like exactly what he would hope to happen in that moment." You know, yeah. obviously like manipulating the audience a little bit, but really cool. Um, you know, a couple more like "Follow the White Rabbit," "Alice in Wonderland." Uh, you know, we talked about the Jurassic Park stuff, even the uh, the single tear running down um, Adelaide's face. Uh, it's like a Get Out reference. Like he's already yeah, referencing his, his own, own movies, yeah. and and that's cool. Oh, one I don't want to forget because I haven't seen anyone talk about this, but it seems so yeah, obvious that- to me. Um, you know, the Evan Alex's character, um, Jason is wearing that mask throughout the entire movie. Um, I was like, that is, why is that mask so, uh, familiar to me? And then I realized like halfway through the movie, it's M'Baku's face or like mask from, uh, Black Panther who is played by Winston Duke. Oh yeah. So yeah, do you do you know what I'm talking about? Like Mbaku, the yeah, the sort of right. Uh, I know he's like in other Black Panther as well. Tribal leader in Black Panther, and he's he wears that that uh, like gorilla mask, and it's it's I think it's exactly what the mask that this kid is wearing. It's really cool. He's like referencing uh, a modern classic, and you know the actor is the dad in the movie. Like that's that's a really cool thing. So yeah, obviously this movie is packed to the brim with uh, influences and homage and references, and I think that we both really enjoyed that aspect. Do you want to talk about this this ending and kind of some theories here? Like, so sure. I think feel like we should explicitly say, you know, in the final act, it's revealed that the tethered were created as part of this abandoned experiment by the U.S. government to clone every American, and basically the minute living in these underground, I sound insane saying this, but this is what actually happens living in these tunnels underground. Ever since the the experiment was abandoned, mm-hmm. they, they don't have the souls of who they were cloned, but they mimic like every single move of their counterpart, their human counterpart. Um, the movie of course opens with a very explicit statement about these tunnels underground in the U S many mm-hmm. of them with no clear purpose. So it's kind of tipped off that this, you know, we'll be bringing that those facts or not necessarily fact. I don't know how factual what he said there, but <laughs> right. that was going to be part of the movie. Um, the final twist is, you know, fi- the final minutes as the Winston family is driving away from all the carnage. There's this flashback showing that red met Adelaide at the Funhouse all those years ago, knocked her out. Went off into the real world. Um, Adel- Adelaide, um, the Adelaide we've been watching throughout the whole movie is actually the doppelganger, and Red is the real Adelaide getting her revenge. Mm. This also explains why Red is the one um, is the only one of the tethered who is able to have you know to have, speak, have a voice, um, yeah. Because yeah, she has like a few years of like being a, a human above ground, and yeah. this twist like. I don't know if I said this earlier, but like it reminded me of kind of the twist in Arrival um, from a few years ago where you, again, like after it happens at the very end, it just makes you rethink everything you just saw. Totally. It just makes you want to rewatch it. And like it, it makes sense too that Red led this um, – it took, you know, 30 years to, to plot this uprising, but she was the obvious choice mm-hmm. because she had a taste on how these surface-level humans – were um you know were living yeah you know and also she, like she knew East. what happened to her it, it's imagine that the terror and torture a young girl must experience that that has like a normal life and then all of a sudden she's in this underground world with a bunch of 
you know, like yeah. just things, creatures that can't speak. Like I, I can't imagine the terror. Like just if you think about that for a moment, it's pretty haunting. And and then it makes you rethink, you know, why uh, the the modern Adelaide when she's you know scared at the beginning when she's in Santa Cruz and all these memories are coming back up. And then you re- she says something to to the husband Winston Duke's character like. I just have this sense that, uh, you know, she's coming back to find me like she she will eventually like, oh, that makes more sense now because we realize, oh, she knows like she knows that a human being is down there and is going to try to come back, you know, so that makes a lot more sense. And yeah, it's really haunting. I also saw someone someone point out that Adelaide's white shirt like slowly becomes more red with blood as the film oh, progresses. Interesting. Obviously, hint, hinting toward you know the, the big twist ending. So, and when did you think the son realized that perhaps this is not the human? Yeah, I know. There's there's kind of in that in that final scene, like as he puts on the mask, like there's some kind of indication that he's he knows realizing that too. Yeah. I don't know how he may know. I, again, like that's something in like a, a second viewing that yeah. would probably. You could be looking for. Oh, and did you pick up on when, um, you know, Adelaide kills Red and with the poker in the underground world and oh, the way she does that and she like, she like clatters her teeth together and it's like really, really uh, visceral and like brutal. I don't know. You kind of pick up on as she, as Adelaide starts killing the tethered throughout, you're like, wow, this she's like she's got something going on. Like there's something more to this character. Um, right. So it, it makes more sense now. I think, you know, you, you briefly like mentioned, um, you know, some of the very clear metaphors in this, in this film, you know, one person's success is, is at another person's expense, like these yeah. games of class and how we're our own worst enemies, but the homelessness I just, like, really... epidemic in America. Sure. Like there's this amazing piece that I read, um, this morning in the uh, the film site slash film uh, mm-hmm. by Jacob Hall and Ben Pearson that I encourage everyone to read after they've seen us. Like it's a three page like deep dive into these theories, and it really opens your eyes into just like how much you can read into this movie if you choose to do that. And I just really there's it's it's a long article, but there's like two things that I wanted to like point out um, quickly. Sure. So this theory that they that they um, speculate on is that the tethered and I'm not going to get really political here, but like that it, it's a it's a clear representation of the modern Republican Party. Mm. They wear red, which is the color associated with Republicans. They feel right. wronged and angry when they're asked who they are in the home invasion scene. Red answers: We are Americans. Mm. They've they've been here all along. They look like just like we do, but they've kind of like there's been this uprising. Obviously, like I don't need to like draw many more parallels to think that like wow, like I, I don't know like how much that's appeals intention, but mm. like those kind of things like track to me. This metaphor, um, another one that they mentioned, uh, and I'm going to quote this word from word from the piece. So go go read it. I'll, we'll tweet it out on our, our account because it's it's totally worth sure. reading. Um, we see the tethered as, as blank zombies. These approximations of human beings who don't belong in polite society. They are the other. But when a tethered steps into our society, she is and when she is given uh, every opportunity and above grounder is given, she achieves it all. She's a remarkable dancer. She marries the man of her dreams. She builds a wonderful family and a comfortable middle class existence. Mm-hmm. Um, she's giving opportunities purposely denied to the other tethered. She just needed the privilege that mm. so many million Americans take for granted 
So Oof. basically, Deep. like this movie, it, it invites a lot of these theories. And like, I don't know, when I was reading this article, a lot of them, I was like, yeah, that all like kind of just makes sense yeah. to me. Um, you know, the, there's also like this theory on there that like the rabbits represent like ideas on the Internet, mm. which is like a little far out there. But yeah, anyway, um, I also feel like we should just say like hands across America, um, using that as the inspiration for the uprising makes sense because it's like the last remaining vestige of um red or Adelaide, her former life like mm. something she cling to remember like she she views i guess like the commercial for it right before they go to the, yeah. the boardwalk or yeah, something, yeah. Something, like, something like that uh-huh. and that was actually hands across america i never heard of it but it was an actual benefit campaign yeah. from 1986 millions of people held their hands in a human chain along a path across the u.s while it it had the right intentions in mm. to you know raise money to fight poverty it, it didn't have as much impact as it intended and only right. raised or like actually like 15 million were actually paid out Mm. to the right charities. It was projected to make like over 50. Hmm. So I thought that was like a really, you know, interesting um, touch as well. Yeah. And then obviously the, the sort of motif of the, the homeless man with the Jeremiah 1111 message on Mm -hmm. him, Uh, you know, young Adelaide sees him at the beach when she's, she's walking and it's kind of a haunting image. He just has that sign saying Jeremiah 1111. So you're like, Oh, what does that mean? But then obviously all these coincidences start happening to, to the older adult Adelaide on the beach. Um, we pick up on, I, I picked up on a couple of these, but then I read a few more, the, the baseball announcer, um, that that night when Winston Duke is watching uh, baseball, he says they're tied at 11, 11, um, it's 11, 11 on the clock when she's putting the kids to bed. Um, the Frisbee that lands on the towel in front of her, mm, yeah, it, like covers, shot. yeah, covers the circle perfectly. Like th- that idea of, of coincidence is kind of chilling and scary to think about. And, you know, obviously 11, 11 is a palindrome. It's the repeating sequences of numbers, the duality, uh, the movie came out on March 22nd. Uh, I just realized uh, 11 plus 11, 22. That's kind of weird. <laughs> weird coincidence. Your beautiful mind, Jordan your Peele. galaxy braining right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then Jeremiah 11, 11, obviously that's like a big thing that people leave the movie and look up. Like I left the movie and I was like, okay, what is what is that Bible verse? What does it mean? Uh, and I typed, I Googled J-E and it, it popped up. It was like Jeremiah 11, 11. Oh, yeah. That was on Thursday night. The Google night. searches for Jeremiah. Yeah. The Google trend search for that has spiked. Obviously means something. Um, so I'll read it to you real quick. I, I'm sure people have read it. It, it says yeah. in the in the King James Bible, the verse reads, "Therefore, thus saith the Lord: Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them." Mm. So that's just reading that. It's like I I got chills when I read it, like aloud to Natalie leaving the theater. Um, yeah. It's just a scary thought. And then, like, we we realize, I, I didn't really pick up on it in, in person, like, in the moment, but when the, the family arrives to the beach, we see that homeless man, that same homeless man with, like, stab wounds in his chest and, yeah. and being put in the ambulance. But then, uh, you know, Jason's, victim, yeah, Jason's character runs into the, you know, supposed same character but we now realize it's the tethered version with the blood you know in that scarecrow formation uh, with the blood mm. running down his hand and stuff and so we realize like yeah the the threshold has been breached and the the tethered have emerged from their hiding or whatever and they're they're on the surface so it's a pretty cool like concept it's it's another example of like this movie 
uh, gets better on repeated viewings, I imagine. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, really successful in that way, I I would say. I also appreciate how they brought I Got Five on it from the trailer like, <laughs> yeah. into the actual movie like multiple times. You often just don't like see that like bringing in, you know, this an actual song that's part of a trailer like into the into the movie. And then, of course, they do the 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 new arrangement with these strings mm. um, and like the cutting back and forth between like the ballet dancing. That's a, just a like, great editing, I thought, in that sequence. Yeah. Um, the score too, like reminded me of a, of a Hitchcock movie at times, yeah. like classical strings, like old fashioned and also the Michael opening Abel's song was the, Michael Abel's yeah, did the score really, the- really good, like tension building and yeah, some other, some other song choices that were really poignant and like, uh, felt, felt right. It's the opening song too reminded me, it was like somewhere to get out and like had this mysterious, like eerie, almost like chant, like melody, mm, you know, the, yeah. the one in. And get out. It's like, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember the exact it's words, the same but it's thing. like this. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think like, you know, we could spend three hours talking about this movie. Like, I think ultimately, like, it will be a movie that certain people will hate and kind of. You could, I can totally imagine someone kind of being disappointed if they're just going in for like, I'm just looking to be like chilled to the bone in like a very like right. upfront way. It's not scary as much in that traditional sense, but you know you might feel underwhelmed if you're looking for that but this Mm. is like as we've kind of discussed here like (laughs) such a much more complex and challenging yeah film and really kind of points the finger back at the audience which like is an uncomfortable feeling that you know people i don't blame them for being like what you judging me jordan peele you know like right and it'll be a movie like people will be arguing about this on on twitter all year i've already seen like you know people like this movie is complete trash and other people (laughs) the best horror movie ever made like yeah i just I praise Peel for for having um, this ambition, and like totally. you know, there's been talk about him taking the mantle from like Alfred Hitchcock as this mm. new master of suspense. And right. I also just love that he's he can bring people into the theaters, he can bring box mm-hmm. office dollars mm-hmm. with an original concept. And like mm-hmm. Chris Nolan is kind of like the only other director in his prime where I think mm-hmm. he can still has that combination. And like. It'll be interesting to see, like, does he pave the way for a lot more of these directors to get those chances, or is he kind of just like in his own his own class? Um, you were mentioning the, what the was your... critical and audience reaction. I noticed it was like ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes critically, and then only sixty nine percent from the audience score. And I think that's uh, getting into the you know questioning the audience and uh, you know people. Uh, maybe not getting what they expected out of it, but it made $70 million domestically this past weekend, which is, you know, a record for a horror film. It It's safe that Jordan Peele is going to get to make another movie, and this is going to be, uh, yeah. you know, a, it's already a $20 million budget, so it's already, you know, well over that and a huge success. And, yeah, I mean, I am can't wait to see what Jordan Peele comes up with next. So what would you say is your overall final rating which i know we like to do like yeah. going one through ten with decimals do you sure. have do you have one in your mind i mean i would i would go pretty high just because like how fun and like such a cool experience it was i'll give it like a nine like a 9.0 mm. yeah yeah you're going to the nines i i would give it right now i'm like at an 8.7 yeah. out of 10 but the more i think about it like the higher it climbs like in like 2 hours i'm going to be like yeah it's an 8.9 now yeah, yeah. you know like it, it is like and after i rewatch it i mean this could be like uh, you know very well like in in the 9 for sure. i'm sure we'll 
be revisiting and, this and movie. And so since I since I saw it um, before you did, you asked me for a four word uh, spoiler free review, I and I said performance driven chilling thriller. And will yes. do you agree with those four words? Uh, yeah, that's all accurate. I, all yeah. four of those. I mean, I know I gave you a limited, uh, right? Some limitations. Uh, four I thought words about it only, though. I, I I gave it some thought, and that's what I came up with. I think the performances really drive the story, and uh, great directing by Jordan Peele to get you know uh, duality and uh, you know dual performances from a lot of actors is a big challenge. I can imagine. So. Uh, I mean, amazing, amazing work by everyone. So that's going to do it for this episode of Must Go Faster. Thanks so much, as always, for listening. Spread the word. Share this episode for sure with anyone that you know has seen us. We yeah. really love for you guys to just tell you know anyone in your life that's that's into movies, music, the things that we talk about to uh, give us a, give us a listen. So uh, talk to you guys next time. Peace. Thanks for listening. Peace. Mm-hmm.